I'm CJ Falcioni, associate pastor here at Gateway. And on behalf of Aaron and Jackson and Jameson and Gigi and the rest of the Gross and Alt families, I want to thank you for being here today to honor and celebrate the life of Jason. It's Aaron's desire today that as we share stories and memories of Jason with tears and with laughter, that Aaron wants us to remember and to acknowledge who made Jason the man we knew and loved. She wants us to make much of Jesus today. Jason was a man of faith, and his faith was the center of who he was and his relationship with Jesus. And his precious family before us has experienced the peace and the comfort and the strength and the hope of Jesus this week. And that is our word this week that we are starting with. Today is a day of hope, and that is Aaron's desire that we experience the hope of Christ today, even in the midst of our sorrow and pain. So we're going to begin today, our time this afternoon, worshiping and praising the one who has received Jason into heavenly glory, the one who has received and welcomed him home. Today, Aaron has chosen the specific songs that we're going to sing because they've been ministering to her over the years and especially this past week have brought much healing in her time of brokenness. And she desires for us today to declare the goodness of the gospel and the glory of God. So I ask for those that can and who are willing to please stand at this time as we prepare our hearts to worship and to sing to the Lord today. Aaron has chosen some scriptures today to be read over us. And we're going to begin with Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3, where the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came to the earth, prophesied about the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Healer who was to come. And Jesus himself declared this in Luke chapter 4. But Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, to give them the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faintest spirit that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you this morning. In our time of grief and sorrow and pain, God, we are crying out to you, Holy Spirit, the Lord, our helper, the Lord, our comforter, the one who comes alongside. And we ask, God, that your power would be manifested among us this morning here in this place that your strength, that your true peace that is incomprehensible and that passes all understanding that we can't even comprehend, God, would flow into this place. That we look to you. As many of us in this room, God, are still struggling with fear and frustration and questions and doubt and anger. We're seeking answers, but God, we thank you that we can acknowledge today that we come to worship the answer. You, Jesus, our one and only hope. So come today, comfort us. May we experience your love and grace and mercy as we look to you, our helper, in time of need. May we praise you today as we come together to honor our dear friend and brother Jason. 
We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Who sees precious blood and know to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my
We thank you for the words we just declared. God, I've seen your amazing strength and grace this week as you have held this precious family in your hands. Lord, as we just sung, we praise you and thank you that Jason was your delight. That you have raised him to eternal life. And God, in the midst of our tears and sorrows today, the only reason we have any aspect of spiritual joy and confidence is because we know we will see Jason again. And we will get to experience his wonderful presence and glory with you. God, I thank you for what I've seen this week with this family as you have shown up in a miraculous way. And in the midst of their tears, declaring that you are good and faithful and trustworthy. And we thank you that you will be there every step of the way, side by side, holding them, loving them, giving them the strength that they need to endure until that glorious reunion one day. So Lord, as we continue during this time to celebrate our brother and our friend and our loved one, we pray, Holy Spirit, you continue to do what you're doing. Give us strength and peace today as we get to hear some precious memories and stories about our wonderful friend and brother and to be able to laugh and just to be experience the joy that he brought to so many lives. Just give us strength as the ones that are coming up, Lord, to be able to even speak and give them just everything they need, Lord, to be able to say the words that they need to. We love you and we praise you and continue to say, have your way among us and help us and heal us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to transition to a time of just celebrating Jason's life. There's some wonderful memories and stories and Uh, To begin our time, we're going to have three people come up, two of his dear friends, Kurt and Wyatt, and then his sister-in-law, Lexi, will come up. And then when the three of them are are finished sharing, we're just going to, this was Aaron's desire, is just to open it up. If anybody has something they want to say to come up and give an encouraging word, a, a testimony, a story, a memory, whatever it is, we just want to celebrate him today. And so we're going to open it up after the three come up here. So, Kurt, you come up, my friend. Aaron asked me if I'd get up here and speak, and I said I would absolutely get up here and speak until I got here, and then I'm not sure that I can pull it off or not. Uh, my name's Kurt Smay. I'm, uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, Jason was my best friend since I was 12 years old, 13 years old maybe. Um, I think there's probably other people in this room that would call Jason their best friend, and I think that speaks more about Jason than it does about any of us. Um, there's been so much talk, and I, I watched on the YouTube, the service the other day, uh, so much talk about hope, and I'm glad Jason had that peace, and I'm glad that it's a comfort for the family, um, but there's been a lot of talk on that, a lot more eloquently than I could put it, so I'm going to talk about the Jason I know. <laughs> um, obviously, he lived down here uh, for a long time been a part of this church for a long time, and I've lived, stayed back in Pennsylvania or anywhere around the country, so Jason and I didn't see each other every day. We didn't talk every day. We, um, we texted. We'd speak once in a while. I'd stop up and visit when he was up visiting, so we, we definitely stayed in close contact. Man, I met Jason. I switched schools when I was 
12 or 13, I don't remember. And I was, I was a year, I was two grades behind Jason. Um, some of his actual classmates are here. But um, I played basketball with him and the guys, and uh, me and Jason struck up a friendship because if you remember back in the early 90s was the Michael Jordan days, and everybody loved Michael Jordan. And Jason and I were outliers. We were big Lakers fans. We were big Magic Johnson guys. And so we kind of bonded over that, and we were the outcasts uh, a little bit in that regard. And, but, but we never wavered, and we had each other to, uh, to, to lean back on in that regard. And my parents bought me Lakers tickets to go see him in Cleveland play, and they bought me three tickets so Dad could drive us out. I could take Jason with me. He went to, that's the only Lakers game I've ever been to, and Jason got to go with me. So that's how I met and became friends with Jason, and Wyatt and I were talking earlier. Jason had kind of two different parts of his life back then. He had the, uh, these are Wyatt's words, not mine. He had the jock sports side, which was my side, and then he had the nerd side. Again, Wyatt's words, and... Um, you guys get to see a lot more of that side with all this uh, 80s nonsense, which I won't talk about. Uh, Wyatt can touch on that if he wants to when he gets up here. But, um, yeah, we bonded through basketball, and he just became part of my, my family. I, I have two younger brothers, but we're all kind of close in age, and Jason would come up and... For a long time, you know, there were three of us Smay boys, and he became the fourth Smay boy for a long time. He would come up, and we'd have wiffle ball tournaments in the summer. We'd play two-on-two wiffle ball. <laughs> you can imagine that. It was always me and Jason against my brothers, Tim and Danny, and we would play wiffle ball tournaments all day with four people. And, uh, and then in the winters, man, he would come up. You know, once uh, when he was working, he worked at the radio station, and like I said, I was two years behind him, and when when – his class graduated, a lot of the guys, you know, Wyatt went off to the Air Force, the guys went off to college or whatever they went off to do, and I was still there because I was still in school, and Jason hung around there working at the radio station for a few years, and we just spent all our time together. If he wasn't working or I wasn't in school, he would come up, I remember on Saturday nights, he would come up, and Wyatt, I believe, had made us this stupid Three Stooges film, and... <laughs> It was just one of those old VHS tapes. It was like six hours long, and it was just all Three Stooges. And we would just, we would just watch that thing on loop, and we would watch it until 8 o'clock, and my parents would always switch the station over to Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, if you guys remember that show. <laughs> and so we would, we'd have to sit there and watch that show until they got done. And then from, from 9 to 10, we would watch more of the Stooges. And then for whatever reason, 10 o'clock on Saturday nights was Walker, Texas Ranger. And that was, man, that was me and Jason's show. And we would, every Saturday night, without fail, we'd sit and watch that stupid television show. And then, when it, of course, my parents were in bed by then, and we'd stay up and watch that. And then maybe we'd watch some more Stooges after that was done. And I, Jason had all these dumb little things. And every time he would leave for the night, he would, he would blink his headlights and honk the horn as he's driving down, the high, uh, driving down our driveway, and I would flick the outdoor lights. And that was, that's how we closed every Saturday night after watching Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, my parents just, 
treated him like one of us. And my mom had one of those decorative canisters like you have sitting on your counter. And he would always find some little tidbit, whether it was a piece of yarn or a, a whatever was laying on the counter, he would hide it in there. And nobody ever looked in there for anything. At some point after months or years of this even maybe, I don't know, mom finally opened that canister for whatever reason and looked in there. It was just a bunch of junk in there <laughs> that didn't mean anything to anybody. But Jason, every Saturday when he was up there, would put a little something in that. And it's been, what, maybe 25 years now? And my mom still has that canister. With, and she left all the stuff in it. So I'm not going to talk long. Uh, of course, through life, we all have friends, acquaintances, buddies. As we get older, that list grows. People come into our lives and come out of our lives. Jason's the only one I ever considered family. And, uh, I appreciate you guys letting me sidetrack and talk about some of my memories. This is probably selfish. It's more cathartic for me than, than for you guys. But, uh, yeah, Jason's my brother, and uh, you know, I'm going to miss him. But uh, I really appreciate that uh, Aaron and the kids have all you guys here to be family for them when I can't be, but um, hopefully you'll see more of me in the future. So. I'm Wyatt Bloom, like they introduced me, and uh, I'm a script writer. i got to write it down. Something prompted me uh, a couple of days ago that Erin put me on the spot, and she did. Um, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, until about 10 years ago, Jason and I have known each other for a lot longer than 38 years. On December 23rd, 1976, a little letter got circulated around our little small red-bricked church called Calvary Independent Tabernacle back in Clearfield. Um, it reads, Dear little one, this is a book club for children. Would you like to receive 36 golden books? Sales pitch right there. It's really easy. All you do is send a copy of this letter to six of your friends, then buy one 49-cent golden book. Are books 49 cents anymore? And send it to the child whose name is on the left of this page. As you copy this letter, then, then send the, the left name a, uh, and move the one to the right. Oh, you're moving it. Sorry. Your name and address go in the right corner. The book can be sent with two 13-cent stamps. Uh, adjusting for inflation, I don't know what that is. Three million dollars, I don't know. Um, if you do not wish to resume these 36 books, um, please send this back to me in six days. Thank you. Um, 
that letter was sent from a, a childhood friend I grew up with and I lost contact with in that church to Jason. In the top left-hand corner is my name. He stumbled upon that. His mom, Sandy, stumbled upon it a few years ago. The friendship from that letter didn't culminate really until about eight years afterwards uh, as I had the childhood privilege of becoming friends with Jason. There There are a few of you within this room now that have known Jason much longer. Matt, Mike, I thought Kurt, I thought he knew you longer than me. Uh, I don't remember when you joined the the Alliance. Um, He had a tremendous impact on our small school in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Sports was always in his blood, like Kurt mentioned. For you three, he was always out shooting hoops, maybe throwing the football, softball, Our gym time consumed of crab soccer and indoor hockey, hoping not to knock over the uh, only eight-foot ceiling tiles up above, if you remember that. Matt and Mike, do you remember the medicine ball in the janitor's closet? He finally speaks about that and how uh, he burst a four-inch pipe or PVC pipe and uh, panic ensued there. Janitor's closet was always fun. There's lots of stuff in there. Um, Jason was a cut-up, too. I don't know what it was in eighth grade, but spitballs were the thing for us. Um, Same thing, as much as it annoyed Jason, he loved to hum Uncle Tom's Diner. I don't know if you remember that. He used to love it, and I would sit there and go, don't you hate that song? Yes, I don't know why I like to sing it. Um, popping those milk pint boxes underneath the table, getting the loud consuming. You, can, you three I know can hear Mr. Moore screaming right about now. How about the substitute teacher that filled in for Mr. Smeal and you innocently were tossing the basketball back behind her, her back? He finally remembers that. Like I said, Jason was a big sports fan, even coming back for an alumni guy game that Kurt mentioned before. I wasn't the sports fan like you, but he was really diverse. He had a lot of friends that crossed his paths, and one of them was me. We didn't bond on sports, but our shared interest in board and card games, television shows like Stooges, Dukes, Knight Riders, anything basically nostalgic. Um, And our quest for KFC's popcorn chicken. (laughs) And Birch beer, by the way, and Mountain Dew for him. Then we got to bond even more so there at the radio station. Um, We talk about it fondly. We shared an antics there at the station, calling the night DJ, then hanging up on him. And he had to say the entire spiel every time he answered the phone. Several times, even though the sound booths were not totally soundproof, we could hear that DJ screaming, stop that, and a few other choice words. The DJ would play his not-so-favorite 500 miles and say it was a request from him. (laughs) Other fond memories of Jason was during our summers in school. We'd be hooked on Price is Right and watch that for the entire hour. 
and we would be bidding each other. Obviously not winning anything, but you know. He'd call the PBS donation hotline, and I can remember him doing that and dialing, and we would sit there and watch who the telemarketer behind was getting picked on. <laughs> and we found someone, and we kept ringing and ringing. You could see they were trying to be polite and kind, but you could see they were like, no. I'm sure there's other words that were not liked, but then it was off to adulthood. He yearned to attend Tacoa Falls for some reason. I remember early in our senior year where he'd be, he'd had a few packets from various colleges. He was reluctant to choose from some, for some reason. Perhaps the growing reality of growing up got to him. However, he remembers several attempts to go to Tacoa Falls, and I don't remember why he wanted to pick on Tacoa. His only reply was that it was affordable, and it was a Christian Missionary Alliance-affiliated school, something we had a background with. When he was finally accepted, we both cheered after he read the letter. I shared in his excitement, although I was selfishly saddened because he'd have to go off. Fast forward, he's in college and falls for a beautiful and godly woman who sits before us today. I remember him telling me via letters and emails about how great and beautiful Aaron was or is. He'd tell me about the little dates, the concerts that they go to. He, he was welcomed into the family by her parents. He'd tell me about going out golfing with his father-in-law. Skipping ahead, we classmates are invited to his wedding and to be members of that wedding party. It was during his wedding that I was going through a rocky marriage, yet he held me up. Even his, in his joyous occasion, he leaned me up and encouraged me to hold on and fight. The years fast-forwarded by, it seemed, we would keep in contact while I served in the Air Force, and I'm sure he kept in contact with all three of you guys in some way. He helped me up when I was having troubling times. He celebrated my promotions and moves. We'd send notes often to one another. Most of them were one-liners from old movies, Stooges lines. And as Jason would say, now on to side B. Yes, I used these cassette turns because Jason truly immersed himself into that pop culture scene. We decided to create podcasts and blogs to rekindle our enjoyment of the 80s, which we both enjoyed. Jason, however, immersed himself in that world a little bit more, much to Aaron's chagrin and dining room. <laughs> I got lots of photos of that. Through that endeavor, however, he continued to gain friends and be the one who encouraged others to achieve their goals with that pop culture. He'd help them build their pop culture scene, whether it's podcasts, websites, and so forth. Most of all, G Jason had a strong faith for God and a zeal for his beloved family. He told me many times how involved he was with the church, setting up for various events, praying over and for various members. And finally, being a part of the AV booth back there, 
I joked with him and said, you're finally following my footsteps. You see, I had started running the sound systems when I was about 11 years old. In fact, I was, as elated I was for him, I remember cautioning him to not let it, let it take away from his family. Speaking of his family, I remember when Jackson was born, and I'm sure I was one of the many that received early photos of the happy and joyful parents with their firstborn. And that joy didn't cease with Jameson and Georgia coming along. He was a proud parent, still is. He often told me about life with, their, with his children, the walks, the pine car derby races, Sunday school. He'd share me photos countless times. I could go on, and so many might here do that. There are troves of memories that I have of Jason, but I'm sure you have just as many as I do. The one thing I will note, however, is that we adopted each other as brothers in our early childhood. He is a brother to many as well, and I don't mean to detract or minimize those that he's called brothers and sisters. Yet the kindred bond we had, the co constant contact, leaning on each other, celebrating with one another, reminiscing with each other, and so on, is probably what hurts the me the most. However, as much as I and all of you are grieving from this and the encounters you've had with Jason, we can hold fast and be assured that God has and still has his grip on Jason. The pastor this weekend spoke about God's grip. John 10, 27 through 29 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know him and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. For those that continue to be hurt and grieve, God's word and the fact that I know that we will see Jason again is what sustains me even through this grief. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Thank you for all the support you've given the Gross family during this, this time. I'm Alexia Alt. I'm Aaron's youngest sister. I am not a public speaker, so if I talk really fast, I'm sorry. The transcript will be on Facebook. <laughs> when I was little, I dreamed of having a brother. My parents made it perfectly clear that there would be no baby brothers. <laughs> but luckily for me, my older sisters provided two great brother-in-laws for me. 
I don't remember when I first met Jason. Um, I know we still lived in Pennsylvania. Um, but once we moved to Georgia, I started hearing his name more and more. And it wasn't long before he became a fixture in our house. Um, some of my favorite memories of Jason happened the summer of my dad's retirement from the Navy. That was in 2001. After his retirement ceremony, we took a little family vacation, my parents, my sisters and I, and Jason, who got to stay in a hotel room with my sisters and I. <laughs> we traveled to the beach and then to State College, you know, vacation spots where everyone goes. <laughs> And I remember how fascinated Jason was when he saw the ocean for the first time. He found a piece of green sea glass and gave it to me, and it became one of my good luck charms. I carried it all through school. Anytime I had an exam or an especially nerve-wracking task, I kept it with me. It even went with me when I did my comps test in grad school. And I still have it, though I hide it for my children. <laughs> Probably my favorite funny memory of Jason came from that retirement trip. At some point on the trip, he decided that he wanted to get blonde highlights. <laughs> so we went to the grocery store, and we bought a box of blonde hair dye. We tried to convince him um, just to use those foils, but he was pretty sure he just wanted some light highlights. And so Amy put him in that little cap that you use to do highlights. If you haven't seen anyone get highlights from box dye, it's a little bonnet that ties right under the chin, and then you use a little crochet hook to pull little pieces of hair out of it. So we pulled little pieces of hair out, and we dyed his hair. It's kind of amazing that we didn't burn off all of his hair because we started giggling so <laughs> bad. Pretty sure my parents could hear us in the next room. Um, I remember when I was in high school, Jason took me out for a movie, just the two of us, and I felt so special that he would take that time just for me. Of course, it wasn't the only time that we hung out, that he made time for me. Once Jackie and Jamie came along, we started a new tradition. We would take the kids out for a movie after Thanksgiving dinner to give the moms all a break. At around two or three years old, my nieces and nephews were invited to join us. Um, we haven't done that in a few years. I haven't been able to go since I started getting babies. And my kids never got to go with Jason. If you've been to the fellowship hall, you'll know why, because they're wild and they can't sit in a theater. <laughs> I will see Jason in a million little things. In the varsity and hosses and Adam Sandler's Lunch Ladyland, and every single line of a Christmas vacation, and the absolutely worst dad jokes you've ever heard. I'm sorry, I had to snooze you on Facebook for a while, Jason. I remember he always asked for my address when they visited each summer, even though I lived in the same house for nine years. And no matter how many times I tried to explain that GPS does not work in Appalachia. <laughs> I remember how he always found the best adventures for his kids, even if that meant taking a four-hour detour to visit Dinosaur World. I will try to follow his example for my kids. 
I'll buy them the sugary holiday cereal, and we'll take adventures, even if that means taking a four-hour detour. And I'll forever be grateful for my first brother. So now I'd like to open up to anyone who feels led to come up and share anything, a story, a memory. just want to make that this opportunity available to you. Jessica and I both have something to, to share. This is from Jessica. It says, Aaron, there are so many thoughts that are in my head as I write this. I remember when we first visited y'all's life group over 10 years ago now. Y'all have been meeting for a long time before that, but graciously made room for more. We have shared so many meals together because, well, we all love some good food. I am particularly fond of the many spicy desserts we have had over the years. Learned that one from y'all. Uh, and I love how the kids never believed that these desserts were spicy, and so we ended up having to share anyway. <laughs> so many conversations have been had, often with the sound of chaos in the background, as all of our children played. Conversations about family, parenting, church, sermons, and so many other things. Sometimes we just sat and laughed together. We have also spent time praying together and bearing one another's burdens. These are moments that I will always treasure. When I think of Jason, the word that comes to mind is genuine. He was real with people and such a good friend to those around him. And he always found ways to think of others, and I would truly miss him. Aaron, you have always been an example to me of how to love others well, and I am so grateful for your friendship. Your faith has always been an encouragement to me, especially over the last several days. I love you and your family, and am here for you. And from me, I would say several years ago, Jason and I had a chance to uh, take a trip together where we got to share in three of our passions, which were old school arcades, thrift stores, and then encouraging or taking our children alongside our childhood memories. And so Jason and I took a trip to Tennessee. The whole purpose of the trip was just to go into an arcade, play at night, spend the night, and then come back the next day. And we also hit up a thrift store on the way back. Actually, it was a detour, um, as, as not surprising, based on what you just said. Um, but Loved it, and that was totally out of character for me to take a trip like that just to, to spend time playing in arcades. But I can't think of anybody I'd rather do a trip like that with than Jason Gross. He would be the best, the best person possible for a nostalgic trip down memory lane. And I haven't taken a trip like that before that, and I haven't taken one since then. And he and I had even talked about doing another one like that, and it just, it just never got on the calendar. And now, I mean, I obviously won't. And so let this be an encouragement to you here. Put those things on the calendar. Plan those trips. Take those wishful thoughts and put them into action. I would love to be able to take another trip like that with him, but I can't do that now um, just because I, I have no excuse. I just didn't do it. But I'm thankful for the one that we did have. And the last thing I'll say, Jason, if you can hear me, be sure to get everybody in heaven up to speed on Double Dragon because when I get there, I'm going to jump right in and play it with you. 
Anybody else? Jason's cousin Amy from Pennsylvania. Um, I brought his father, my uncle, and aunt down for the drive. Um, took us about 14 hours to get here. Um, very unexpected trip that we didn't plan. Um, they always make the trip, usually every year for our 4th of July picnic another two hours up from his dad's they come up and we always look forward to seeing them um, we've had a lot of losses in our family the last couple of years um Jason's always been a wonderful cousin, always full of laughter and fun. Um, this church has been wonderful to our family since we've gotten here, and we thank you for that. Um, Aaron's family, we thank you for opening your home up to us. We appreciate all of you being here for Jason and we can tell the friendship that he has made whether it's been through the church or his friendships where he's worked all of you has touched his life in some way or form and we can tell that it's all touched him somehow, some form, and and it's gonna we're hoping that it's gonna be here for you, Aaron, and the children, because we know you're gonna need that down the road. And we hope that they will be here for you too as we leave. And we all want thank you for that and Dwight wants to thank you for that and I know that there's three words as I sat here today and look around the room and watch these videos that devotion I can see Jason was a very devoted person to the church to his life to his family. He had devotion in everything he did, I think, whether even his fun he was devoted to. And there was not a lack, as I said earlier, for life or laughter. And I think that's something that we should all try to do in our lives. And I think these kids are going to have a good life ahead of them. And I think we will all try to help them with that, too.
My name is Mike. I, uh, I, I was born with a built-in best friend. Um, I have a twin brother named Matt. Uh, so um, I can remember Jason was one of the first kids that I wanted to be friends with, right? Um, he would do things like at basketball. He'd run around saying, anything you can do, I can do better. And he'd shoot the three-point shot behind you. And it was frustrating because he was usually right. Um, I remember this summer, maybe it was when he, I don't have very good memory. <laughs> uh, so maybe it was when he started playing Little League, or maybe it was like a couple years in. But uh, we, we entered summer as scrawny kids, and he came out, and you could see like Randy Macho Man Savage veins in his forearms. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, he was stronger and bigger, and I was like, what happened? Uh, but so there were lots of things as a kid, right? that it was great to have Jason around for. You guys got his adult life, and, and there was still kid in Jason. But, um, you know, uh, Jason changed my life. And, and I didn't think about it until Wyatt Bloom brought up the, the water main breaking at school. But, um, you know, uh, Mr. States was our principal social studies teacher or whatever. He, he decided he was going to help us out and get us um, college information magazines to fill out so that if we were interested in a college, we could fill out the little postcard, and then you'd hand it to Mr. States. And so I filled out Jason's name for a lot of colleges. And, <laughs> you know, and I filled out none for me. And Jason went the extra mile and filled out a couple for all girls' colleges. But so <laughs> he decided to go to Tacoa Falls. I was a little jealous. My brother was going to Penn State. Um, and it seemed like the people that I had kind of connected my life to were gone. And I didn't have really a direction. And so my mom would cry and say, are you going to go to college? <laughs> uh, and I was like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. But um, I decided I'm going to go to college. I will go. And I said, whatever college, the next college that sends me information, that's where I'll go. And it wasn't a girls' college. Uh, it was um, Geneva College. Geneva College um, in, in uh, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. And Messiah College sent me the same day. And I don't know why, but I ended up talking to Jason later. And he said, well, just flip a coin. I'm pretty sure, now, again, I have a bad memory. I, I'm pretty sure he's the one, he said, flip a coin, like, as a joke. Um, but I went to a college based on them sending me information from Jason filling out a card as a joke. <laughs> and so that, that college did change my life. It's where I found, really, my faith. It's where I solidified uh, that faith. And I, I remember kind of reading uh, this description of heaven, that heaven's a tapestry, and it's not each life, not each life is a tapestry, but heaven itself is a tapestry, and we're all just little threads in that tapestry. And, and on this side of heaven, we see the back side of it, and it's messy and tangled, and the strings aren't the right length, and we're plucking at it and saying, like, God, you're doing it wrong. But right? In heaven, it's the tapestry. And so Jason's seeing that tapestry laid out. Uh, you know, he's sinning no more, thankfully, for us. Uh, um, but, but he did. He changed my life. And I haven't been a great friend. I haven't stayed in touch. 
Um, that's what distance does, right? Man, it had been 30 years next year that we graduated high school, and it still will be, no matter what. But, but um, you know, you think to yourself, yeah, it's, you know, we'll, we'll fill out, we'll get together at the 30-year. Um, but so we won't. We'll get together in heaven. So I'm, I'm glad I knew him, right? What a guy. Girls College is that guy. All right, anybody else before we transition? I am jealous of you guys for knowing Jason for so long, but I got the privilege to meet him about seven years ago because some strange woman reached out to me on Facebook um, because our sons met each other at Floyd Middle School. Um, it's been a great friendship, their family to us. We, uh, we love Jason and Aaron and the kids. Um, I don't have funny stories like that other than because of his dad jokes. Um, last school year, I taught our youth group at church the whole year, Sunday mornings. And because of Jason's jokes, I would share those with the kids. <laughs> and they hated them and they loved them. Um, so much so that they would start coming with their own jokes, which was great. Um, if you're friends with Jason on Facebook, you saw a post that I put on there of a Goonies plaque that he made for me. Um, one time we were talking and he said, what's your favorite movie? And the Goonies growing up was that movie. I didn't realize how many bad words were in it um, until I was older. But Jason and Aaron stopped by one day and he was like, I have something for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it is this massive plaque that's almost the size of this table. Um, it sat in our bonus room for, what, two years? Maybe longer. And uh, last summer I hung it up on my patio. And it's a great reminder of Jason. Um, he actually painted the flag of Goonies but put our family pictures instead of the, the kids. Thankfully, there's no sloth on there, so that's... I don't know who he would have chosen, but... Um, I loved Jason's commitment to the 80s because... I was an 80s child, but I could not remember things like he did. So I would say something, and then he would correct me because I was wrong. Um, but I loved it. Um, the last thing I want to say, and I'll try to say this without tears. I know Georgia left because she cannot sit still for nothing. Jackson and Jameson, your daddy loved you. Um, I can't tell you how many times that I would just get phone calls or texts about how proud he was of you guys. So remember that. He's watching you, and I know that it's tough. Um, I can't imagine. But know that your dad loved you a lot and was very proud of you and proud more to be your father. So, thank you. Sweet time. Anyone else? Okay. You good? I'm Ben Green. I worked uh, with Jason at Pub Plus, Inc. in the department next to his. Uh, my department has a kitchen, a refrigerator, microwave, and the sink. So over the past years, I got to see Jason coming and going to fix his lunch, and we would talk from time to time, barely getting to know him, just starting to get to know him. 
but he would come in with a Dollar General bag full of something and throw it in the freezer. So, so one day I asked him, I said, what are you putting in there? And he pulled out a fast bite sandwich. Um, so I, I, he turned me on to fast bite sandwiches. They're quick and they're good. They're delicious. <laughs> that was Jason. Every day I'd see him with a couple of Dollar General bags full of something, throwing them in the freezer. In fact, the, right now I looked in the freezer just the other day and there's a bag of fast bites in there. So, you know, I'm, it's going to be hard walking in Dollar General seeing the fast bites. I mean, I'm going to think of Jason because, and he, he seemed like a real good soul, real good person. Like I said, I was just starting to get to know him, but uh, I see he's got a lot of people that love him. Seems like a really great guy. And God bless y'all. Sorry for your loss. Thank you. Hey, I'm Harvey Starling of Publications Plus, like Ben. Uh, been knowing Jason for a long time. I don't remember when we first met, but it was, I don't know, whenever he got to graphics and mailing at the time. And I just instantly hit it off with him. I mean, we just had a good friendship over those years. We worked together a lot. And then it became an opportunity in 2017 that he was able to come over with us. And him and the staff that worked there with him, they all came and started working with us at Publications Plus. And, man, he was a blessing. I don't know how he could do it, but he had this Rolodex in his mind that when you had a situation arise, he could pull out a one-liner from a movie. <laughs> just like, boom, and just throw it on you, you know. And you're like, it's perfect for that, you know. And uh, I don't know how he remembered all that stuff, but he was a – Great, great man. I'll tell you one thing I did notice about Jason. And uh, I noticed that he had joy. Happiness is one thing. Happiness is temporary. You can buy a new car and be happy, right? But the car gets old and the happiness goes away. Jason had joy. And joy is only eternal. Joy comes from Christ. And I know that Jason was saved because he had the joy. And uh, I'm going to miss him. Well, on behalf of Gateway, I have to share briefly because I know there's many guys in here that want to get up here and probably can't, but just as a representative of our church and knowing you for 17 years, Jason and Aaron got here just a few months before my wife and I did in 07, but Gate, he served this body faithfully. He was a dear friend and brother. He was a deacon here, part of our body for many, many years, sacrificially loving us, serving us, faithfully coming on work days. There's times I would get a phone call in the middle of the night from the security alarm going off, and we didn't have cameras at the time before he got a Grady got here, and they lived two streets over, and I'm calling Jason in the middle of the night, freaking him out. Hey, dude, can you go check the church? You know, I'm on it. He's up and at him, coming over here in the middle of the night, opening doors, walking the campus. He was just a faithful brother and so sacrificial in loving this church and so available for what anybody needed for so many years playing basketball in the gym, experiencing what many of you guys did at every event, bringing the boys to different sporting events. And, and somebody brought up Wyatt. I'm so he was the Pine Derby King. That boy could make some cars. <laughs> years and years when I used to do the video, we would do the screen, and the gross boys would tear it up. And then you always see Jason in the back going, you know, it's really me. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
he would put his cars up there, and they'd be flying. I mean, there's flames behind his cars on the track. Years he dominated our derby here, but it was just the love of his boys making those cars with him. Uh, just personally, he was a nerd with me. We talked Star Wars, Marvel, DC. I had the privilege of watching the four-hour Justice League, Zack Snyder edition with him at my house. Sitting there for four hours, two grown men watching superheroes on the TV. And we're just like, yeah, dude, you know, having food. And, just, and he's just one you just want to be with and just hang out. And just as a sidebar, he was my thrifting buddy. He and I were Pittsburgh boys. He was my only connection down here in the south to, to somebody in Pittsburgh. We loved our Steelers, our Penguins, our awful Pirates, you know, but we wore our stuff with pride. And I always remember I'd come in my room, my office right here every now and then, and I'd open the door, and there'd be a, a Penguin pennant or a Steeler flag just sitting there. And I'm like, Jason, you know, he would just find stuff for me. We thought about each other all the time. We'd go thrifting, antiquing, junking, and we'd always have each other in the mind, in our brains, finding stuff like that junk back there and just things, but always thinking about one another. He always thought of others in those contexts. So I'm going to miss him dearly. Many of us in this body are going to miss him so much, but he's still with us, and we're going to see it with these precious boys and kids. But I just had to express that, that our love for him and his thoughtfulness for others, sacrificially loving this church and those within it for many, many years. So as we transition and just continue with the memories we've shared and the stories of love and grace, um, it is Aaron's desire we want to just continue to worship the Lord before we hear the presentation of just God's word to encourage us. And there's two scriptures I want to read before we sing again. Psalm chapter 27, verse 13 and 14 says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And Psalm 73, verses 23 through 26, says, God, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Who am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that is Aaron's cry for all of us to know. He is the strength of our heart and our portion forever. So let's stand again if we can, if you're able to worship our living hope and look to the goodness of the gospel. i uh-huh. 
seated. What we were just singing perhaps seems a bit strange to you as we're gathered today to grieve the passing of Jason as his friends, as his beloved family. So we gather today to support, love, and encourage Aaron and Jackson and Jameson and Gigi and all the family as well as we come to encourage one another. Friends, our hearts are heavy. We're all grieving we all have questions that will never be answered in this life. Many of you have doubts and fears and other emotions that you're feeling, and yet we just sang about hope. Now, if you were with us Sunday morning, as our church family gathered, though, there was such a heaviness here I've never felt in my seven years as pastor here. We still could talk about hope when we gathered. 
And for those of you who are not with us Sunday, I want you to understand when we sing about hope, when we talk about hope, this is not some type of wishful optimism. It's not about us just wishing our circumstances were different or we're just going to hang on and things will get better. That's not what hope is. Hope is something that we can have even in our darkest hour. It's something that you can have today, right now, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your grief. Why is that, friends? Because hope is a sure confidence. It's a sure confidence in what is to come. And in particular from Scripture, the hope is that this life is not all that there is. But that God offers to His people eternity with Him in His presence. That awaits all those who know Him and who love Him. So this morning I want to take just a few minutes to remind us once again of the hope, the sure confidence we can have in the midst of these dark hours. As we think about hope this morning, one thing I want to remind us of before we read God's Word is the hope that we are trying to cling to today is not a hope that Jason needs anymore. But we are hoping in friends and family is his reality right now. So with that in view, I want to read for us from 1 Peter chapter 1. I want us to think about three verses in 1 Peter. One of the traditions we have in the church to show honor and reverence for the Word of God as we stand when we read God's Word. So I'm going to ask you please as we read God's Word, if you'll just stand, I'm going to have the words on the screen for you. But this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. You are a God who is very near to the brokenhearted. And you're a God who has revealed yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray as we think more about your word this morning, as we think about the songs we've sung and the scriptures have been read, that you would be very near to the brokenhearted today. To remind us of the hope that we have not in these circumstances of life, but the hope we have in knowing you for all eternity. Give us hope this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, friends, what is the hope you and I can have? And quite simply, it's knowing God now and forever. That we can know God and be known by God right now in this moment if you're grief and for all eternity as well. Friends, in these dark valleys of life you're walking through, you do not need wishful optimism to get you through. You do not need strength of your own will to get you through. God does not bring you into these valleys to tell you just to think positive or to try harder or to pull yourself together. God never says that to you. Rather, he brings you in these dark valleys and he says, I know you, I love you. I am near to you. Come be known by me. I want you to see that hope here in this text. Go back to verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1 and notice what God does for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us. He has caused us. He's doing something for us that we cannot do ourselves. In these moments, friends, I want you to remember, this is not you trying to reach out to God and hang on to God. This is God pursuing you and God holding you. You And what is God reaching out and offering to you there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3? He's caused us to be, notice this phrase, to be born again. Now, if you grew up in a church culture, you hear this word thrown around all the time, but we often miss the wonder of what is being offered to us here. To be born again means that just as we had had a physical birth, we can have a spiritual birth in our life. None of us are born knowing God. 
We are born with a sin nature. That is why we sin throughout our lives. We are born separated from God because of our sin. But God offers us an opportunity of a spiritual birth in this life when God in his grace gives us an awareness of our sin, a brokenness over our sin, an understanding that we can never be good enough to get to him. And he gives us a faith that cries out to him and says, God, rescue me, save me, make me your own. And when that happens, when we are born again like that, God changes two things for us. He changes our status. We are no longer under his judgment and his wrath for all of our sin. He's taken it all. And we now go from being his enemies to being his friends. We now, in the beautiful things we talked about, we are adopted by God and we can belong to him. But it doesn't change our status and say, go live your life how you want. If we're truly born again, he changes our nature as well. He begins to put in our hearts longings for him. He gives us desires to want to read scripture and to pray. Why? Because knowing God is not about I pray a prayer so I don't go to hell. It's about so I can have intimacy with my creator. But one of the things God changes in us as he grows us is we begin to understand eternity and we begin to long for eternity. We begin to realize more and more that this life is not all that there is, that this life is not our home. We are pilgrims, we are aliens, we are strangers on the way to our eternal home. You know, God reminds us this life is not all there is. And this text we're reading this morning points us to that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, because Peter tells us about an inheritance. Inheritance is a gift that you are given based on a relationship. It's not something you can demand of God. It's not something you can earn. It's given freely. So this gift of being born again, having a new standing before God, and this gift of a new nature that God gives us is just the foretaste of something much more that he wants to give to us, something that Jason has now already experienced, the inheritance of being with him forever. But being with him forever is seeing God in all of his beauty. It is a place of no more suffering, no more death, no more sin, just perfection all around in the presence of our creator. Although the glimpse of it we get in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. In Philippians 3.20, we're told our citizenship is in heaven. Jason is back home now. This was a sojourn, a passing through. He is now in heaven. Our citizenship is heaven, and from it we now are waiting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in Philippians there to verse 4, 1. Therefore, my beloved brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. We stand firm today. We have hope today because this life is not all that there is. And that is what Peter's trying to remind us of in this hope that he offers to us. Go back to verse 4 in 1 Peter 1. This inheritance we have, this eternal life that awaits us. Notice the words that are used to describe it. It is imperishable. It is undefiled and it is unfading and it is kept in heaven for you. This this is a complete contrast of this life for us. It's imperishable. It will never decay. It will never die. Nothing can make it fade. It's undefiled. It will never be polluted by sin. We all have a sin nature. Jason did. I do. We all do. But what's coming is undefiled by sin. It's unfading. It will never grow dim. It will never lose its beauty. As much as Jason preserved all of his 80s things, those things faded and those things lose some of their beauty. They're still really cool. But what God offers us will never fade, will never break, and it's kept, it is held, it is secure for us. That means that the sadness we feel today, the pain we feel today of the brokenness of this life and death, we will never experience that in eternity. There's a time coming for all eternity when this is all behind us and gone. There's hope for us. But I want you to notice something. This hope is not just any type of hope. It's a living hope. Go back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, not just to hope, 
but to a living hope. Now, what in the world does that mean? We just saying living hope. What does it mean to have a living hope? It means two things. Number one, it means it's not a dead hope. It's not a dead hope. A dead hope is a false hope. That would be a fairy tale. We're not gathered today to try to pat ourselves on the back and give you some type of just nice little fairy tale to make you feel better. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality for us. This is a, not a dead hope or just a story. This is a living hope. But secondly, living hope means it's a hope that will give you life. It's a hope that is life-giving. And so we have a hope in the midst of our grief that can breathe life into your heart and your soul. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, there is a hope that will give you life even as you face Jason's death, even as we come face-to-face all with our own mortality. There is a life-giving hope. Now, how is this hope possible? And there's only one way, and we're told right there in verse 3. We have a living hope through. This is the only way we can have such a hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jason had hope not because he was a good person. Jason had hope because Christ had done something for him. You can have hope not because you're a good person or a religious person. You can have hope only in what Christ has done for you, that Jesus himself, God who always existed, came to this earth, born of a virgin, He fulfilled the law that you and I break every single day. Every single one of us has sinned so many ways since we woke up this morning, but Christ never did. He fulfilled the law we break daily so he could go to the cross, the cruelest form of execution ever invented by the hands and the wickedness of man, to there hang on the cross to take the punishment I deserve and you deserve, and in a moment bear the wrath of a holy God against our sin so our sin can be forgiven and all of his righteousness then given to us. Christ came to do that. But if he hung on a cross and was buried and never came out of the grave, there would be no hope for us. But the story doesn't end there. That Christ rose from the dead. Death could not hold him. So those who believe in him, who are united to him through their faith and what he's done for them and his grace for them, that means they also be raised forever and be with him forever. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Friends, we can never do enough good things to get to God. Jason is not in heaven because he was a good person or because he was a deacon here or because he came up to turn on the alarm at night for us. He didn't go to heaven for doing good works. He is with Christ now for eternity because he had a righteousness not of his that Christ had given to him, that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And here it is, verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Friends, the living hope we have is not dependent upon us, but it's what Christ has done in making a way for us to be with God forever. Jason right now is with his Savior. He's seeing the glory of God with an unveiled face. He is worshiping alongside all those crazy creatures you see described in heaven. He's with the saints that have gone before, and he's in the presence of his Savior, free of pain, free of sickness, free of suffering, simply because of what Christ has done for him, and he trusted and believed in that. Friends, if you are in Christ, that is your future as well. And God wants you to have that hope that we have for Jason as well. So how can we really know, friends, that is possible? In the midst of suffering, how can we know that such living hope is possible and is not dependent upon us, friends? This text is all about God's character and keeps pointing us that we can be sure of these things because of who God is. Look back at verse 3 here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, according to his great mercy. Our God is a God of great mercy. Mercy is this compassion for sinners. Sinners like Jason, sinners like me, sinners like 
you. Our God is a God of great mercy. That means he looks upon us instead of treating us like our sins deserve. He puts his affections instead of his wrath on us. And that mercy in the heart of God is not something he looks at and goes, oh, I wish I could help these wicked sinners, but there's nothing I can do. He's got not only a mercy, but he's a God of power as well. And he can do whatever he wants. Look at verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That God is a God of all power. But friends, some of us have a wrong view of God, and it seems like God's power is so distant. God's power comes near to the brokenhearted. God's power is always near at work in the lives of his people. Look at verse 4, right before it talks about God's power. It tells us this amazing inheritance we have, this imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. Who's keeping it for you? The all-merciful, all-powerful God is keeping it for you, guaranteeing that if you are in Christ, you will get there. But it gets even more personal. Go back to verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded. That in the midst of your grief right now, if you are in Christ, you are being guarded. God is guarding you from the attacks of the enemy who wants to steal you away. God is guarding you from your own thoughts that wander. God is guarding you from anything else that can pull you away. As we've said over and over Sunday and this morning, that if you are in Christ, he is holding you and no one, nothing can snatch you out of his hand. That's why we sang the song we sang earlier. When I think my faith will fail, he will hold me fast. That is your confidence in this, friends. You're not having to somehow figure out how can I pull this together so I can make it to heaven and get through my grief now. This is God saying, I'm holding you. I love you. You are my own. Friends, God delights in guarding his children. And I think you've probably seen, if you spent any time with Erin this week, and if you've watched her in this service, you see the testimony of one who is being guarded by her creator and her savior. The only reason someone can praise God and proclaim God is good when she's just lost her husband is the fact that God is guarding her. And if you are in Christ, God is guarding you as well. And if you are not in Christ, you desperately need to run to him because he would delight in guarding you as well. So how do we have this living hope, friends? How do we become guarded by God? We simply cry out to him in faith and he rescues us from our sin. In light of all this, I want you to see 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18 as we prepare to close today. It's a very timely text for us. 2 Corinthians 4 says, so we do not lose heart. Friends, you are in a situation that perhaps is the easiest to lose heart in this life. The tragic, unexpected, in our timeline seems early passing of a friend and a family member, but we do not have to lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. Now just pause there, friends. Jason's passing came sooner than any of us expected. But every single one of us will be here one day. Every single one of us will die and face our creator one day. Our outer selves are wasting away. And depending on where we are in that journey, it is coming for every single one of us. But if you're in Christ, friends, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so though we face death and we face brokenness, God is offering to us to renew our spiritual inner selves here. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians here, for this light momentary affliction. Now just pause right there. This does not feel light and it is not. This is heavy and this is hard and it is good to grief. But what Paul is bringing out here, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory. This is a lesser than, greater than. That This grief is real and we need to grieve. This pain is real and we need to feel it. This is a very broken world, but... 10 trillion years from now, this is going to seem light compared to what we're doing now. Because 10 trillion years from now, if we're still in the presence of our Creator, worshiping Him 
in his presence, seeing all of his glory, serving him alongside all those who've gone before who loved him. This will seem light at that point, though it's not right now. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So friends, this morning we do not grieve for Jason. The unseen is now seen for him. The transient is gone and the eternal has come. He will never feel brokenness, temptation, sin, pain, or sadness again. He has eternal joy with his creator. But we do grieve, not for him. We grieve for ourselves and for this precious family sitting before us today. Because the pain is real and the grief is real. So the question is not, are we going to grieve? We're going to and we need to grieve. But the question is, are we grieving with hope? Or are we grieving without hope? Because every single one of us is grieving today. The question is, are we grieving with hope? Or are we grieving hopeless? Because if this world is all there is, and we die and our bodies decompose, and there is no eternal life, then this is, this is a hopeless grief we face. Or if we're facing a grief and we know we die and we're not, we don't know our Creator because we're not believing in Him and we're going to face an eternity separated from Him, this grief is hopeless. But if we know Christ, then we have the confidence not only of where Jason is, but where we will be also. And so we grieve, but we grieve with the hope that we too, like Jason, will be with the Lord forever. So I want to ask you this morning, friends, the celebration of Jason's life. You are grieving, but are you grieving with hope or without hope? And my prayer is that as you grieve, your experience will be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would know that according to his great mercy, he has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I pray that you know that you too, like Jason, have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And I pray that you know that you, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that you are a God who gives hope when we're hopeless. You give comfort when we're mourning And Lord, we're grateful that you love us even in the hardships of life and you never, ever leave us alone. And so Lord, we pray right now for Erin. We pray that you would continue to guard her heart, that you would continue to be loving her and ministering to her and giving her strength in the midst of the hardships. We pray for Jackson and Jameson and Gigi that they would see their father's love for them, that they would see their heavenly father's love for them and they would know that they are being guarded and held by you as well. We pray for the rest of the family, the family in Pennsylvania and the family here, that God, that you would be strengthening them faith and giving them faith to walk this hard journey together. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would use this moment to remind us of your mercy and your power. And Lord, that we would all take inventory of the state of our own soul because we will all be laying before a group of people at some point in the future. So I pray that every single one of us does business with you and knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are ready to meet our creator and see you in all of your holiness and glory, knowing that our sins were dealt with on the cross, that we have forgiveness and we can have the hope of that inheritance of eternal life that is to come. So Lord, would you do what only you can do in meeting each person here exactly where they are, ministering to them as only you can to give them the conviction they need, the encouragement they need, the comfort they need, whatever they need, I pray you will give to each one knowing that you love them. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to close by singing one final song together this morning before we dismiss. So can I ask you to stand, please, as we close our time together.
this together. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. God sent his son. They call him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Justin continues to play. If you'll just remain standing right now, we're going to dismiss the family at this time. So our front row family guest, if you'll proceed towards the gymnasium, we want to let you escort out before we all dismiss. So just remain in a moment of prayer where you're standing while the, while the immediate family right here dismisses.
two things as they make their way out. First of all, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon for this precious family. And so we are so thankful for the way the people here at Gateway have come around, the Gross family and the friends in Pennsylvania have come around them. But friends, it's easy when someone has passed for this to be fresh and raw and lots and lots of people offering help and then months go by and it fades. This is a marathon for them. And so I would encourage you, whether you're from Pennsylvania or you're here in Montgomery, they're going to need you not just for the next few weeks, but for years and decades to come. So keep them in your thoughts and prayers, but find practical ways to continue to serve this precious family. Second of all, some of you have been invited to a lunch for those who are some of the special guests. If you can just proceed to the gymnasium for those of you who already know you've been invited, they've asked you to come join them. But then from behalf of the Aaron and her family, she wants to say just a deep thank you to all of you for your expressions of love and so many practical ways, your prayers for her, the ways you've come along, the family. She just wants you to know how incredibly thankful she is for her family and her friends such a dark place. I just want to echo that and say thank you. You all have done a phenomenal job loving them in such a deep, dark week. I just want to thank you for it. I ask you to keep going with that. Let me pray for us. Father, we continue to pray for comfort and grace upon grace. You tell us in John 1 that from your fullness we have received grace upon grace. And that is what we pray for Aaron, for Jackson, for Jameson, for Gigi, that even today they would feel your waves of that grace upon grace upon grace overwhelming their lives for all the family and friends as they grieve. We pray for your grace upon grace. But we need you in this time, but we need you always. And so I pray you would meet us right where we are for your glory and for our joy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming today.